I think we'll uh, we'll jump in and kick it off and um, and get started. I'm I'm really excited today um, to have Vince Hahn with us. You know, um, as we're thinking about prepping for this, you know, in today's digital world, it really is all about friction frictionless user ex user experiences. And you know, the reason for that is that there's just so much noise. There's so many choices, so many apps, so many logins and digital users direct their clicks and swipes towards the paths of least resistance. That's why chatbots have emerged, I think, as a compelling communication tool with their easy and AI powered conversations. But I think a lot of people wonder, you know, and, and I've been one of these that are chatbots, are chatbots smart enough and ready for prime time? And we're gonna answer that question today. Uh, we'll be discussing best practices and deploying chatbots to supercharge your company's ability to communicate with and engage the field. And the good news is that my guest today is my friend, Vince Hahn. Um, Vince is founder and CEO of Mobile Coach. He has an MBA from the MIT Sloan School of Management and has founded several successful technology companies. He resides just down the road from us here in Utah. And there's no doubt in my mind that Vince, um, although he's, he is an industry thought leader for direct selling technology and speaks often about AI and chatbot technology, there's no doubt that he is the leading chatbot expert specifically for direct sellers and the direct selling channel. So super stoked to have you here today. Vince, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for inviting me, Roger. Uh, you know, that was, thanks for those kind words. I still remember meeting you many years ago before um, I, I, I found a mobile coach in 2013 we met before that, and I still remember uh, meeting you in your offices in, in Provo, Utah. Um, I think we we're both very passionate about technology, building technology companies. Um, I still remember um, sitting in your office and we're sort of whiteboarding diagrams on behavior change principles and um, come a long way. I've been, uh, it's been fun to watch you uh, grow direct scale, and uh, it's been great to have uh, our friendship. Uh couldn't agree more. Uh, that was a, that's a great memory. We've been kicking around these parts for quite some time. <laughs> so, um, but I do think that we're you know we're doing our very best to stay relevant and stay engaged. And I know that we both have you know a real affinity and maybe even love for direct selling and for the good that it can do in the world, for the opportunity that it creates. And that's really you know at, at direct scale, that's what we're all about. I mean, we're all about user experience. We're all about trying to empower individuals, both at our client companies and in their field sales organizations to have the very best chance at success. And so, you know, this is one in a series of many um, webinars that we'll be doing to try to have the right conversations, relevant conversations to bring value to the space and to our, to our mutual clients. So I think with that, you know, let's let's jump in. And I, in the in the intro, I alluded to this, but um, I'm definitely in this camp, and I think probably everyone is to some degree. We all love our destination apps, um, but you know, what are some of the downsides to those? You know, what what don't we know, Vince, about destination apps and and engagement? Oh gosh, I I think that's such a great question. I think as any entrepreneur out there, and I think I view direct selling as 
an industry full of entrepreneurs. Um, entrepreneurs are optimistic. We uh, have we're visionaries, um, and we should, if if we're not, we should be understanding technology in a way where it's a key driver for our success, especially in the 21st century. And I think as a result of that, we have come up with these great ideas for websites, for apps that are highly functional, that are beautiful. And we, we can actually sometimes spend a lot of money uh, building them only to be disappointed when we roll them out that people don't quite love them as much as we do. And, and in fact, I think, um, in fa- I think some people can end up scratching their heads to say, hey, well, we did these focus groups. We showed the designs to all these people. They said they would use it. Why aren't they using it? And I think that um, that's a really important um, principle to understand when you're investing in technology. Um, Roger, is there, I want to share, just share a couple stats. Is that okay? Yeah, please. Um, so I have just some statistics and, and um, I thought this would be kind of good to set the stage. Now, I love my destination, destination apps as well. And this is not to say that apps don't work. Apps are a crucial part of our day-to-day life. Um, I think it's just it's it's important to understand the dynamics behind them. So I, I find some of these statistics really interesting. So on the left, 77 percent of users stop using an app in their first three days of download. There's actually some statistics that I couldn't quite dig up. That's actually surprising of how many people download an app from the App Store or the Google Play Store and never even open it. It's actually quite surprisingly high. Um, and then this statistic down here, I'd be curious what the audience here does, maybe you could pop in the chat, whether this is high or low or just exactly describing you. But the average person has about 60 apps on their phone, but only nine are used on a daily basis. Um, And to me, this is about probably right for me. Um, Me too. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that um, if you take a look at those nine apps, what's used, um, the stickiest apps are non-productive productivity apps, you know, it's social media, it's, hey, I'm, I've got five minutes, I'm bored, I want to scroll through Instagram or TikTok or Twitter. Um, and even though I might have a bunch of apps on my phone to make me a better person, you know, get more fit or um, learn something, um, those are a little bit harder to get to just because human nature, we're just, again, as you said, you said it really well at the beginning, Roger, human nature seems to look for the path of least resistance. And it takes a little bit more work to do something healthy for you. Um, so those are some stats I wanted to share, maybe just really quickly on the right-hand side. Uh, we are all trying to find ways to engage with, our, with an audience that we're invested in. So for direct selling, you know, that's their customer base, it's their prospect base. Um, and, uh, and for maybe a direct selling company, it's their field. And um, you know, I think an 18% open rate for email is actually a pretty good open rate. I, I wouldn't be surprised if people um, had much lower open rates than that. Um, and of course, the um, click-through rate of links and email is, is just getting worse and worse, it seems. And so I think just these statistics, statistics are a symptom of a larger issue of, okay, well, it's great to build a destination, but is that destination providing the value you need it to, to your target audience? Right. So, you know, as we think about that, I, that, you know, that to me is the the great lead in to this, why chatbots? Why should we consider chatbots Chatbots when we're thinking about frictionless communication? And I know you've got some thoughts on that as well. Yeah, so um, I, I think the, so 
just to back up for a second, a, a chatbot. I think we all know what a chatbot is by now, but it's yeah, a, but it's probably good to define it. I, yeah, that's probably a good point. Yeah. I always like to do that. I talk about chatbots a lot, and sometimes <laughs> I find myself talking for five minutes, and people say, "Well, what's a chat? What's a chatbot?" So a chatbot's a computer simulated conversation. Most of us are are have had some experience with chatbots through um, as a consumer on like a website that you visit and a chat window pops open and maybe you're chatting with a live agent if you have a customer service need. Oftentimes nowadays a chat window pops open and um, the chatbot's trying to sell you. Um, those chatbots tend to be um, uh, transactional, meaning I've got one question and as soon as I finish uh, getting an answer, I'm not gonna use it ever again. Um, and so, yeah, that's a, that's a big place for a chatbot. Today, I'm going to focus a lot of my vision around chatbots for direct selling around what something I call a programmatic chatbot. And that's not on a website that's passive, but it's on, uh, on your mobile device on a very common mobile messaging platform like um, you know, SMS or Facebook Messenger or Telegram or Signal. I mean, there's just so many nowadays. And the big difference when you're designing a chatbot on a website versus a mobile device. If you design a chatbot on a mobile device, it can act as a friend. If you design a chatbot on a website, it's passive. You can only engage with people when they visit your website and, um, and when they actually decide to, to type something. So it's a huge difference in the types of chatbots there. And so for a programmatic chatbot, going back to your question, um, why is it more frictionless? Well, if I'm if, I, if you ask yourself, what messages do you get that you don't ignore? And it's from your, your loved ones, your friends, your colleagues, and how are they messaging you? It's through a common me mobile messaging app. Now that might differ from where you are in the world. If you're in China, it could be WeChat. For me, it's SMS. Like my kids, my, my wife, my best buddies, they're all texting me and I'm, I'm not gonna ignore those messages. So if I have a chatbot on that same channel, then all of a sudden it's not buried an email. It's a more frictionless experience. I'm not, have, I'm not having to download software. I don't have to create a username and password. It's just, and, and by the way, the user experience doesn't break if I ignore the chatbot. Yes, you know, Roger, as much as I'm, I'm so much into this webinar that I've got my, turned, my phone turned away. So if my wife does text me, I'm not gonna see it, but that doesn't mean that experience breaks. As soon as I'm done, I'll check my messages. And that's the same with a chatbot. And I, I think that for those reasons, it's a really compelling communication channel. For sure. Um, you know, you mentioned also that just, just the type of communication that it is, is kind of conversational. I thought it, it was interesting just in terms of some of the science behind that around cognitive load. I was just curious about that. Yeah. Um, I, I um, like to describe that dynamic. Um, so you mentioned, you know, uh, that I happened to, I went to MIT for my MBA. I was around a tech hub. Um, I've, I'm a technologist. And so I pride myself at being a tech tech guy. And a few years ago, my, my youngest child's a daughter. She's, she's my daughter and we have three, three boys and a daughter. And she really got into TikTok. And so I said, you know, I, I ought to check out TikTok. And so I downloaded you're braver than You're braver than I am. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I downloaded it and you know what? I could not figure out how to use it. I, I was just like swiping and like so confused. Um, and I had this like identity crisis, like, wait a minute, I, this is supposed to be intuitive for me. 
So I actually had her show me how to use it. And so I like to use that experience to, to have, I, I think people can relate to that at some level. And you think about the cognitive load that was going on in my brain to figure out, okay, now what happens if I swipe this? Am I going to accidentally post something that is this camera on? <laughs> There's a lot going on there. And all of that turns into friction. And, um, and, and my point earlier about for a productivity tool, a tool to build my business, a tool to connect with my customer, introducing friction like friction like that is a huge obstacle to a company's success. And so cognitive load, when I think about that, that's a great example. I hope people can relate to that, where you're trying to remove that cognitive load and make things as natural as possible. Makes tons of sense to me. And, you know, the reality is we've got, we've got so much battling for our attention. That's a real thing. So um, I appreciate you, you describing that in a little bit more detail. I will say, I feel like I need to say that to our audience and to you so that I don't lose, lose any of my image that I've built up over the years. I have appeared um, as a, even in a starring and supporting role on several TikTok videos that my, that my children have done. So lest you think that I am not staying not relevant. relevant. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it might be kind of funny to pull some of those up. I should have thought about that before. Um, anyway. You know, so kind of, you know, kind of thinking about this, um, you know, one of the thoughts that came to mind as we were, as we were having our, our discussion prior, it's, you know, a lot of us, I'm sure I'm not alone, have had, you know, maybe some bad experiences with chatbots, right? And so maybe we're kind of, eh, I don't know, not sure if I'm really bought in. What, what would you, what would you say to those people? Well, uh, I, I think it would be unusual if you didn't. Uh, um, I think that it didn't have some bad, ex- bad experience. You know, our, our um, collective psyche ha- has been um, unfairly, I think, influenced by Hollywood. I mean, if you think about, um, you know, R2-D2, C-3PO, um, uh, Hal, Hal from the Space Odyssey might be dating myself there. How about, uh, you know, Jarvis from Iron Man? These are all depictions of what we want artificial, I think we want, it's actually kind of scary at the same time, but, you know, um, it's our we kind of, we have this fascination of can a computer be as smart as a human? Um, And I think that's the wrong question to ask. Um, I think that computers can compute faster than humans, but computers can't have, at least not right now, and we're far away away from having computers having the emotional intelligence of humans. And that to me is a a level of smartness that computers are are not, not even close to being there. And so oftentimes when we're interacting with a chat bot and we're thinking, well, gosh, that Alexa commercial that I saw that Amazon produced made it seem like I could have a conversation and actually can only ask it what the weather is and play my favorite song. And it's kind of, you know, it's, yeah. it's a little bit limited. And so it's not surprising for people to have a bad experience. Um, I'll also share, if you, if you Google um, Microsoft Tay, T-A-Y, You'll read about um, an experiment that Microsoft did where they built a chatbot that was supposed to be self-aware and they put it out into onto Twitter. And uh, they had to shut it down after a few hours because the collective Twitter people came and trained it. And all of a sudden it was like spewing bad language and very inappropriate <laughs> tweets. And all, so the intelligent collective intelligence made it a really bad actor. Um, you know, so we're not quite ready to have a chatbot replace a human. 
Um, but that's not to say they can't be extremely, they can be extremely useful if you understand the parameters in which they should work. Yeah, let's, um, let's get into that. First of all, I would love a Jarvis though. Oh, I feel like I could be <laughs> a better me if I had a, a Jarvis. Uh, but it sounds like in that Tay, Microsoft Tay example that, that um, maybe some of the, the darker sides or the less um, appealing sides of humans kind of trained it poorly <laughs> as well. So we got to take responsibility for that, right? Um, we protect ourselves from ourselves sometimes. Right, indeed. So, yeah, so I think that the next, the next question I think follows there is then what is, what is the key or some of the keys to creating a, creating a successful chatbot experience? Yeah, um, so let me share my screen again, and I wanna um, show you some examples of, oops, where did my screen go? Just a minute. I had it in full. I have all these screens open, so let me, here we go. All right, share again, we'll try this again. There it is, okay. So it. let me show you, um, uh, yeah, I described chatbots, chat programmatic chatbots in a little bit. I, I, we just grabbed some screenshots of examples of chatbots through different modalities. Um, and then, uh, you know, I want to maybe level sets what it kind of looks like, and then we can talk about some best practices. So here's a chatbot over SMS. This is a HelloFresh chatbot. I'll, I'll let people just sort of speed read this or you can take a screenshot of it um, just to get a sense of what it can do. So you can see in all these examples, the chatbot's not trying to be emotionally intelligent, but it's providing some sort of service or convenience. Um, so here's one on WhatsApp. WhatsApp, as many people might know, is you know, the world's leading uh, messaging channel. Um, and so here's a, an example of a chatbot that's actually coaching someone towards some sort of personal development goal. Um, Telegram, I, you know, it, at the year 2020, with all the social unrest and all the upheaval in the world seems, um, Telegram actually saw a huge surge in users as well as a messaging app called Signal just because it's a little bit more encrypted and, and safe. But all of these user experiences look kind of the same, right? Where it's, it is a conversation, but it's not like a, uh, you know, a deep, you know, a, a you're not talking with, your, with, with a therapist through, through the chatbot. Um, some chatbots through certain messaging channels can have rich media. So here's one on Facebook Messenger and that instead of like typing open-ended questions, you can actually just tap on um, buttons and choices like that. Uh, this is Domino's chatbot. Um, and so I think these visuals, I think hopefully will just help level set uh, what the experience could be like. And then you ask yourself, okay, well, um, if I can leverage a chatbot to get someone's attention, what is that message going to say? Um, and uh, I always like to tell people, you know, we talked about, like for me, and I think for many people on the call, you know, if you live in the US, SMS is probably your most engaging channel. And any incoming message that's coming that, that, you're, that you receive will be an interruption. So even if I get a message from my spouse, it's, it's an uh, interruption. It's a welcome interruption. Love getting messages from people that I love, but it is an interruption. So if you design a chatbot, the number one best practice for a chatbot is to, to ask yourself, the message that I'm programming to send, is it going to feel valuable? Uh, it, it doesn't, the question isn't, is it going to be inconvenient? Because you can't predict inconvenience. Sometimes my, my, my loved ones will send me a message at a very inconvenient time. 
I have a high tolerance for that because they don't know. But if later when I do get to see the message, if it feels valuable, then I'm going to be, I'm going to appreciate the message. So that's the number one best practice is don't make it spammy or um, one-sided. Try to make it feel valuable to the user. You can still effectively sell your product, your service, um, and have it feel valuable at the same time. And so um, I'll wrap that up by saying, when people ask me, what's the number one thing to know about chatbots? It's not understanding the sophistication of the technology. It's being a really great writer. You know, being able to write messages that feel valuable to your audience, to understand your audience. And so that's probably best practice one, two, and three. It's that important. Very good. Um, I think that um, I think that one of the things, and I saw a couple of examples in the ones you you showed that also make it fun. You know, have have a little bit of levity to it. I thought that was an interesting um, an interesting point too. We're all um, I don't know, maybe a little bit wanting that. Um, as, as part of an inner, you know, being entertained to some degree, but it's always fun to have a, a little bit of a whimsical exchange. If you can, if you can make a decent, a decent joke, right. With some of these things or make yes, a fun. I think not only personality or levity wise, but just helping people feel good. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm reminded of a project I did with not a non-direct selling company, but a very a large enterprise company out there, you know, fortune 500 company, and they were all business. And uh, they wanted a chatbot to be all business about, hey, we want our managers to behave this way. So here are some. And so they created a chatbot that was very stiff, um, but we kind of convinced them to lighten it up a little bit and maybe do a, like a motivational Monday. Like here's a quote for the day or here's a funny gift just to you know, make you feel a warm and fuzzy. And after the whole program was over, overwhelmingly, that's what people valued the most. Um, and that's something you can deliver through a chatbot is just giving people pause out of the, uh, this in insane world that we're in to have them smile and feel good. Awesome. So, yeah, so there is, you need to put uh, a good amount of care and thinking into the design in, in all those aspects that makes, that makes sense to make a, to make it really work, make the experience good or better. So maybe we shift our conversation now to maybe get a little bit more specific about chatbots in direct selling and um, some, some examples of why it works and then maybe even get into some specific examples of how, um, how you've done it and how companies have, have, have leveraged it and how it's working in our space. Yeah, uh, so I think there are two principles to think about because uh, I think your audience, Roger, everyone will be in a different spot. You know, maybe startup, small, mature, um, but I think these two principles um, uh, will guide some of the, the more common use cases. One is to ask yourself, are there conversations happening in the field or in our corp corporate office that are very repetitive, happening over and over and over again? That's, that should be a sort of a, a, a light bulb to say, hey, maybe we can automate that through a chatbot. Mm -hmm. you know, that, that seems um, quite um, you know, common sense. The second question is, are there skills gaps or knowledge gaps within our customer base or within our distributor base that um, we don't have the time or maybe even the wherewithal to diagnose and help those people narrow those gaps. That's where you can consider a chatbot to be a coach um, to sort of diagnose, hey, there are five major skills for you to be successful. You know, it's selling, it's closing, it's prospecting, it's understanding how to use our back office. 
and diagnosing that, hey, this person's really good at one and two, but they need a lot of help with three, four, and five. Um, so to have a chatbot be that be that coach to help bridge those skills gaps, have that automated. Um, you know, chatbots never go to sleep. Um, they're they'll be your hardest worker. <laughs> they can have tens of thousands of conversations at once. Um, so there's huge benefit um, to an organization to say, hey, if we build these chatbots to do that, um, boy, we can we can narrow those skills gaps and those knowledge gaps in an automated way and and reap the benefit. And so with those two things in mind, hopefully that gets people start thinking to start thinking, uh, let me walk you through sort of the most common use cases I've seen. Um, the first is new distributor onboarding. Um, and this is a perfect example of those two use cases. Um, a new distributor comes on board. A lot of the conversation you're having with them or they're sponsoring leaders having with them are extremely repetitive. Now, I don't think the chatbot should replace the uh, really great human leader, um, but there are parts of those conversations that you could save the leaders a ton of time if a chatbot's going to do those things. And new distributors often have big skills gaps and big knowledge gaps because they have a learning curve. Um, so here's just an example of one interaction that, um, and there's, you know, you can design chatbots to do whatever you want them to do. Um, but this is a really compelling use case, I think, to just help the percentage of new people that come on board to be more successful. Um, and feel free to interrupt our knowledge. I think I've got three or four of the three or four of these. Um, yeah. So one of the yeah one of the th one of the thoughts that I'm that I'm having and and it's kind of it goes in along these lines I think really well. You know, one of the things that we've taken great care in building on the Direct Scale platform is the ability to have. Um, well, we, we call it multifaceted configuration, but the, what that really means is that we can deliver different back office views, different messages, different ads, you know, mm. different content to, to anyone in your organization, um, depending on a number of different variables. You know, it might be their rank, their status, you know, whether they're new in the business or not. Um, and we can get, we can do it geographically, you know, so we buy market, um, any of those things and even anything you can imagine, we could actually, you know, create a different experience for it. And we could, we could leverage that um, in, in chatbot use cases as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, Roger, I think that's such great vision in your product. Configuration is a pretty geeky term. Uh, we take it for granted, but it is so important to understand. Uh, because in traditional software, things weren't configured. And so if you had to pivot, imagine having to make a change and having to have a, uh, your developers go in and change the code and then QA the code and then push the code out. And um, that's old school software. Uh, today, it's so important to have messages feel personalized. And so to have some technology to understand where people are or technology to help a human understand where their people are then they can quickly configure something to, to match that need. And what's the sort of the cliche is getting the right content to the right person at the right time right. Uh, can only be done through configuration. So I totally, I totally agree with that. Yeah. So take us through some more of these examples yeah. um, for our, for our industry case. So in the world of, of e-learning, that, that's kind of a, a world that I came from. There's a term called performance support. And this term means, I'm doing my job, then I get stuck. Um, and so, you know, let's say that I'm a new electrician and I'm 
new on the job and I go to a work site and I've been asked to wire a configuration that I've never seen before. That's an example of, gee, I've, I've been asked to do this, but I'm stuck. What does that person do? Well, that person hopefully has a mentor nearby or they could call somebody or maybe there's a manual that they can thumb through. But all those examples that I just mentioned represent friction, right? That, right. Based on what we were talking about earlier. So I think this is very true in direct selling too. If I'm new to my job or if I'm doing a task, say I've got two hours to work on my business, or I hear the five things I'm gonna do, boom, knock that one out. And this one, oh, I'm stuck. To have a chat bot there where I can just pick up my phone and ask the question and get unstuck in the most frictionless way, I think is a really compelling use case. Now, let me just make a, a mention about, about this that I think is maybe unintuitive to people. There are times where people will prefer to ask a computer a question than a human being. Um, and, and I'll give you a couple examples. Well, the primary example is, let's say that Roger, you're my sponsor and you've spent, I know you're super busy, came over to my house, you spent two hours with me showing me how to do exactly what I need to do. I'm so, you know, like, that's great. You asked me, do I understand? And I told, I totally understand, totally get it. And then you leave to let me do my job and I'm stuck. Does that, is that a realistic scenario? <laughs> Absolutely. <Definitely. laughs> am I, how am I going to feel calling you up like, Roger, you know, I know you just spent two hours with me, but I can't remember how to do that. People will do all sorts of things to, to avoid that type of situation, including giving up. Right. And so this is, I think, a really compelling use case where I'm not going to be embarrassed asking a computer five times how to do the same thing until I get it. Um, and so that's, I think, a really compelling use case is performance support. Yeah, this one right here is a, is a great example, right? We reviewed the comp plan maybe, but oh, dang it, what again about that? <laughs> oh yeah, here's a link. Yeah. That's a great example. Yeah, and, and of course we wanna respect people's privacy and let them feel comfortable. That said, if you have the right technology from, from an organization's perspective, it's really uh, enlightening to see what questions people are asking. Like you might think, Let's say you work for corporate and you're like, well, our comp plan training is like spot on. We get, you know, NPS scores of, of that are, off, you know, off the charts. And then you see everybody asking you about the comp plan. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, you know, it's, it's a nice data point to help you understand um, how, how you're doing. Um, th this next one is, is I think, uh, probably a, a common sense one, too, is like the first question that I mentioned earlier to ask yourself, what are some questions that what are some conversations happening over and over and over again? Custom, your contact center. Um, every contact center I've ever talked to has said, yes, 80% of our calls are about the same 10 things. Um, and so, you know, automate that. Make it really easy. And not only can you automate it, but why have people wait on the phone for 15 minutes when they can get an answer right away? Um, so this is a win-win all, all, all the way around to, to, to deploy a really smart customer support chatbot. Very cool. I know that you've, you've implemented... Um, a bunch of those, but I think, I think that gives us, you know, some really good sense of what, what can be done. Um, I think that, you know, to kind of wrap up and then maybe we could open it up for some questions if we, if we have some, but um, we, we have done a direct scale and mobile coach um, work integration work on the back end, And I thought it would be interesting to, to show our guests some of the things that, um, that we've worked on already, yes. and then they can start dreaming from there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I want to show two, I want to show off two things. We're very proud of this. We're really grateful for the direct sell, direct, direct scale team working with us to do these integrations. 
Um, integrations, uh, API integrations do lengthen a project timeline, but they are just so valuable because it allows a chatbot to be super smart. So let me show you this example. This is a fictional company called Alba Cosmetics that we created. And this is a customer service chatbot that's uh, integrated with a direct scale instance. Um, so imagine that I've logged in to my, to my Alba Cosmetics page. So you know, I'm Sarah Kaufman. And let's say I want to return an order. And so what's that process like today? Well, it kind of depends on your, your policy. But if I have to pick up the phone and wait for half an hour, my wife used to work in the contact center for um, New Skin. And at, during COVID, she came home. And so I listened to her all day long processing order returns. And sometimes people have to wait for an hour to do that. Um, so what if I could just click on return order? It knows who I am. So it knows who Sarah is. So it's like pinging the direct scale database. It pulls my last three orders um, and I can just choose the one that I want. And it's because it knows who I am, knows my email address, generates a return label, sends it to my email and I'm done. Um, I think that's really, that, you know, there's a lot of different things you can do, but that's a great example of doing something that can take a long time, but with a direct scale integration, boy, that can be um, made super easy. Um, the awesome. second one, uh, the second one, just real quick to show everybody, and I'd invite you to try this out. If you can't try it out right now, just take a quick screenshot of this with your phone. But this is SMS. So pop open your phone, um, put in this 909 number, and just say hi. And the experience you're going to get is like a sales assistant experience where this chatbot's wired up with a fictitious you know, company in a direct scale instance, but it's going to give you um, ideas like here's the screenshot where here's your first business briefing. It'll give you daily business briefings. Here are my team members close to Fast Start Bonus. Gives me exactly who they are, how far they away, are, are they away from a Fast Start Bonus. Tells me their phone number. I just have to tap on the number. I could call them or text them. I just, I think, really powerful use cases to, again, make a frictionless experience where people can um, save time, be more productive, um, you know, and, and really thrive. Very cool. I actually just jumped on and did that. I've already got my first response. I've, I've actually done it before, but <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to do it again just for the sake of, of uh, staying fresh with it. Um, well, listen, I, I mean, I'm, I'm super excited. You know, we're, your, your commitment to, to this space and, and your expertise in it is certainly um, really fun. And, and we're excited to, you know, to continue conversations with, um, with mutual clients to see how we might find ways to improve um, customer and client and rep experience and, you know, do it in meaningful ways. Again, we're just trying to help make it easy um, for people to succeed and give them the very best chance at doing that. And, and I think that there's some, some unique, awesome things in our space that, that lend themselves to that. So um, I'm excited about what we'll continue to do together. And um, man, I'm so glad you, that you were able to connect with us today and be here. Um, we, we've got a couple minutes. Uh, if there were questions that got posted in the chat, um, or if anyone does have questions now, we could just maybe take one or two questions and then we'll wrap it up for today. And I might have to put my glasses on again to see if there's any questions. Looks like someone did raise their hand. Looks like Robin Hansen raised 
raised a hand. All right, Robin, I just went for it. I'm gonna let you ask your question. Okay, thank you for taking my question here. So Vince, I was intrigued by the last example you showed of um, essentially creating a chatbot that allowed an associate to just kind of get a, a daily update on his business um, based on what I saw. So what I'm curious is to ask both of you guys, uh, because obviously we're a user of direct scale and we're a user of mobile coach. Um, would we be able to essentially open up something like that within direct scale that, I mean, is the API created so we could do that and any associate could just ping that number and say, what's my daily stats? And he would get it and say, there's where you are on all these different KPIs. Yeah, so that, that I'll jump in uh, yeah, first here, but that, that demo, when you try that, that is live. Those APIs are hooked up. So you can think of the APIs, there's a library of APIs that we've built with specific queries. Robin, there's a chance that your KPIs, you might look at that library and say, hey, I like those three, but can it do this or that? And so we might have to just create a couple um, specific queries for you, but the handshake between direct scale and mobile coaches are already there. So um, it would be very straightforward to do. Yep, I don't think there's anything to add there. We would just um, have you connect probably first with with mobile coach and then and then work through the the use case of what you want to accomplish and then just make sure that we've got things in there to support it. But yeah, that's I'm glad we've done that work already. Thank you. Should make it easy. You bet. Um, anybody else have a quick question before we sign off for today? Looks like we are um, probably good. Yeah, so um, we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Um, you can look back on our website to find the, um, the video of this session if you wanna share it with anybody else or if you'd like to come back and review anything that we went over today. And then um, I'd also invite you to continue to um, check back for future guests that we'll be bringing on to have these types of conversations about how we can make the direct selling and affiliate and influencer world uh, a much better place and, um, and help clients to, to not only run their business, but to know their business better and to grow their business. Um, all about revenue generation and, and how we can help you be more efficient and successful there. So, hey, Vince and, and Corey and Danny, I wanna thank all of you for your participation and helping us getting this done. Um, Vince, again, it's always a pleasure to connect with you, my friend, and we'll look forward to uh, many more conversations in the future. Thanks so much for having me, Roger. All right. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon.